Tapping the Keg Daily is live for Monday. It is March 4th. We are back, baby. We're going to catch up on all of Wisconsin sports, all that I missed. Uh, we're doing five things from each team. Uh, we'll start with the Bucks. We'll go to Marquette. We'll then go to the Packers. And then we'll finish up with the Milwaukee Brewers. And that will be today's show. Uh, there will not be any Europe talk. We will do Europe tomorrow probably. Uh, so if you're into that, uh, that's when that'll be. And it'll be at the end of the show. So it won't necessarily take up the full program. So don't worry. It's not a ride or solo travel log or anything like that. But that's today's show. I'm so excited to be back. We'll kind of do a preamble about my apologies to you guys. Because I let you down. And I'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit here. Uh, but before I do, social media, we're back running that. Tapping the keg on Twitter. Tapping the keg sports. Instagram as well as TikTok as well as Facebook. Uh, so if you are joining us from there, uh, welcome. Uh, we do this four days a week. Uh, usually we don't have a two-week layoff. Uh, so maybe wait to subscribe until the end of the week. Give us a test run. Uh, we are on any podcast platforms. Uh, this week, I can tell you the schedule will be Monday, Tuesday, uh, and then off on Wednesday, and then Thursday, Friday. So th- Thursday will be a loaded show, uh, even though Mitch and I, which Mitch and I do a podcast, Mitch Ross, who you might not know, uh, we do a podcast every week, more of an evergreen show. We're not doing it till Friday, so it's a huge layoff for me and Mitch. But yeah, Thursday show will be loaded. UConn, Marquette, Bucks Warriors, lots to talk about uh, with that one as well. Uh, and yeah, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We really appreciate it. Tell your friends, tell everybody. Hopefully you're spreading the good word of Tapping the Keg. Um, and more to come uh, this month. We're going to have our bracket challenge like we did last year. Uh, the gift or kind of our top prize is 100 bucks. Plus you get to be a guest on the pod. Uh, I think at this point, I'm pretty I'm kind of big now. Like I know that that's, that sounds like I'm bragging, but we're nearly we're over a thousand on Twitter. We're almost at a thousand on TikTok. All organically. We're not giving away, doing giveaways, and like and follow, and we'll buy a shit or we'll give you merchandise. No, we don't do any of that shit. We just do this organically, and I, you know I, I think a I'm proud of that, but b I think this could be the biggest bracket pool that we've had. So I still think we're gonna do a hundred dollars. Um, I am in a podcast guest spot if you want it. You don't have to do it, but we've, we've had some great shows. Uh, Shay Ken, who before he was a contributor, he won it la- uh, two years ago. My guy KBO Rocks uh, popped on last year, and he did the show, and that was great um, and was really fun. And yeah, so I would just say that it's definitely it's definitely something that it's if you don't want to do it, I get it. But I, I do think that it's a lot of fun. And that's also to say if you have a small business or you know of a small business that would want to get involved, that maybe is in Milwaukee or they're online so we can easily do it no matter where people are, let me know. Or if you feel like there's somebody I should reach out to. Um, I'm happy to do that. I won't even use your name. I'll just be like, hey, I have a bracket pool. We usually get 50 to 60 people. I actually think it could be 75 to 100 this year. So maybe we do up, up the stakes on the money. I don't know. Maybe we do 150 for the winner. We'll see. But uh, that's to say we will be looking for partners. Probably should have looked at this earlier, but what are you going to do? All right. Before we get caught up on the state of Wisconsin sports at this moment, uh, it's been a wild two weeks really um I, I feel like i missed a lot i feel like there was a ton to talk about i feel like there were days 
whether it was me being Lisbon, me being Porto, me being Amsterdam, where I wanted to fucking talk about Bucks. I wanted to talk about Marquette just absolutely destroying teams or Tyler Kolick's injury for that matter. Uh, you know, there were so many of those moments here and there. And Packers, a lot of sort of the offseason stuff started for Green Bay. And you had the combine here uh, at over the weekend and try to think of anything else that, you know, it, it, the Brewers and, and things going on there. So, like, I think when always you miss two weeks, it's just it, you feel like you've just missed so much to talk about. And that's why we're going to kind of catch up. We're not necessarily going to, like, look in the past or anything like that. We're, we're just going to talk about things that are going on and where we're at, where, where are we at with these different teams. I do also feel terrible that I didn't give you guys content. I should have done a better job of that. I should have prioritized that. Um, even if it was just like a best of segment and I looked at some of our best pods and I re-ran some of those as sort of a, hey, listen to this and you know, it kind of tied you over, right? Uh, but I didn't do any of that. It was dormant for two weeks. Uh, that just can't happen again. Um, and I know that there'll be other moments in my life where maybe I have to not do the podcast for a week and maybe I need to figure that out. Um, if I'm home and I'm able to, great. But if I'm, you know, on vacation with my wife, I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna be taping a podcast. I, I just am not. I, I don't think that that's fair to her. I don't think that's fair to my vacation. Um, and I, while at one point I was like, well, maybe I'll do like reactions to things I missed during the day. But then I was like, the, the time zone's all fucking weird. I, I don't know. I, so this is my long way of saying I'm sorry. Um, and I will do better. But now we're here. I'm not leaving you. I have, I'm going to be here until I think end of May. And then I go to Montreal for a weekend. But that will only be a weekend. And that one is a situation where, yeah, maybe I can podcast. Maybe I, I do tape something if the Bucks are in the Eastern Conference Finals just on my phone and I send it off you know, to Mitch to upload. And I just be like, here, take this, upload it. I let Mitch play producer. And he, he gets that up for me. I don't know. We'll have to see. Uh, but I, I promise you that I'm not leaving you uh, for a while here. So let's talk about Wisconsin sports. It's what we do. It's what we do on this podcast. It's what we do four days a week. Uh, and let's talk about all the things that have been going on in the state of Wisconsin. The Milwaukee Bucks have came out of the All-Star break red hot. They have won five straight games. They have looked like a different team. I mean, they really have. Uh, it's been it's been so fun to watch the Bucks be you know just at this whole different level, and this has been a night and day from what we saw with Adrian Griffin. You know, obviously, I only was able to watch Bucks Bulls um, for the other games. I you know just watched the highlight packages, and you could just see the Bucks are having a lot of fun. The Bucks are playing their type of basketball. The Bucks are are playing a sort of have a feel about them that is a lot different. Um, even different than what we saw with Mike Budenholzer. Like, I, I just feel like this is a different approach. This is exactly what you hope a new coach should do. And that a new coach should instill sort of a new belief, a new mentality, a new idea. And that's exactly what's happening. And it kind of goes into my number two uh, of just Doc Rivers really fixed everything, right? He fixed the defense. He fixed the mojo, the attitude of this team. And it's just all working right now. And I think that that, it, it, it shows a few things. It shows that 
There are certain types of coaches that work with this roster, and Doc Rivers is certainly one of them. I know the playoff stuff is there. I know that looms in the background. That hangs like a bad fart at a church. Like, I, I get that, right? But right now, I think the Bucs needed that reset. They needed that all-star break to just sort of say, okay, we are going to now get some practices. We're going to get more comfortable with each other. We're going to learn from each other. We're going to see what works. We're going to see what doesn't. I think Doc has given the players a ton of empowerment. And I think that's what stars need. You know, like I think Katie George, uh, who's doing the ESPN sideline, former Bucks uh, sideline reporter, was talking about how Doc and Giannis, Giannis would be like, coach, we'll do whatever you want. And he's like, no, no, no. I want to hear like what works for you. Like, I think... I think what Giannis and other Bucks who've been there for a while, so like a Pat, Bobby, uh, Chris Middleton for that matter, like they had Mike Budenholzer who was so addicted to his system. Mike Budenholzer had such a system, had such a way to play basketball, and now Doc doesn't really have that. I'm not saying Doc is like play random or, you know, ha- it, it's more just like it's kind of cohesive and it's malleable. It's not necessarily this sort of rigid offense that you have to stick to its principles and you got to get to your spots. It's like, it's trying to find the best basket time and again. And it, it this has just been a very impressive run for the Milwaukee Bucks. And I know it, it gets harder. Uh, it's not necessarily going to get easier uh, for the Bucks, but I, I do like just what I'm seeing, you know, in terms of how they're playing basketball. I mean, that Bulls game was a, a great example that they didn't exactly play well in that game. I mean, Giannis did. Giannis was incredible. 46 points, 16 rebounds, 6 assists, 7, 17 to 22 from the field. Like, Giannis was incredible, but everybody else kind of stuck. And it didn't matter because the Bucks held a team to under 100 points for the fourth straight game. The first time they've done that since 2018, they are just absolutely working their asses off defensively. And they are making it extremely difficult for teams to deal with them in the half court. And they can't. And I I think that that is sort of a, a revelation. Like I like the idea that they're a half court team now. Their pace has gone way down. The Bucs didn't need to be run and gun. They were too old of a team to be this run and gun up the court. They needed to sort of slow it down. And I think they're getting better shots because of that. And I'm also thinking they have more in the tank. They can play defense. They can play offense. Like they have sort of calibrated it and figured it out. Now, is this a massive red flag to Adrian Griffin? Yeah, it is. I mean... Ryan, uh, Archon, I always call him Ryan, even though it's Archon, wants to be like validated and be like, and they laughed at me. I saw that. I saw somebody say, oh, we owe him an apology. I don't fucking owe that guy anything. It was a dumb fucking article 10 games in. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I respect what he did. I talked about his article that he wrote after the All-Star, or right, he wrote right before Griffin was fired. And I was like, man, he should have wrote that article, you know, in the first place. Like, it was just way too bombastic for me and hyperbolism journalism that, whoa, that arrived that. I didn't even plan that. But like the hyper, and I don't even know, hyperbolism, I don't think is a word, but like the hyperbole journalists that we see all over the place that, that just basically are shouting fire, you know, in a crowded hall, like that to me is, is just a bad way to write. And I don't really owe that guy an apology. 
was he valid? Has he been validated by this run? Absolutely. This has to be gratifying, right? But I don't need a guy who is an avatar, who don't even know his face, getting to inhale the Twitter farts and yet to get high off that. Like, no thanks, all right? I, I still think that, yes, it's damning to Griffin and the Bucks deserve a ton of credit. John Horst, like, I don't think he'll win executive of the year because of, there's a lot there, right? You fired a coach middle of the season. You, you know, it, it was done in a sort of manner that might not have been the best in terms of going forward. But John Horace caught the bait early. John Horace got Damian Lillard. John Horace added Pat Beverly because he knew this team needed a little more piss and vinegar, a la what P.J. Tucker was in 2021. And John, and John Horst has just continually tweaked the team. Got Took a flyer on Ryan Reynolds. Took a flyer on Jaden Galloway from Sydney, Australia. Like, John Horst has just, he's never been shy to just pull the ripcord. And I, I admire that because I think with a player like Giannis, you can do that. I don't think you would do that with in most sports with most players. But Giannis Antetokounmpo is a one-on-one. And John Horst deserves a ton of credit for cutting the bait from Adrian Griffin and not letting this season go to waste and realizing that it, it, it had to be done. Uh, but I, I love what I've seen out of this Bucks team, especially defensively. I think the offense is going to come. I'm not worried about it. You could say, oh, Damian Lillard struggled. Damian Lillard's had some good games. Like It's not been perfect, and he, there's still a little bit of a lack of confidence. And he still feels like hesitant, like, should I be the guy? Should I not be the guy? Even though the Bucs are telling him, be the man, be the man. It seems like it, there's still that mental hurdle. At some point, I think he's going to break it. At some point, I think he's going to have like a 30 or 40 point night. And all of a sudden, it's going to it's gonna just start falling for him. So I still like what I've seen uh, from Damian Luck. In terms of the best wins uh, during my absence, I'd say that Minnesota game was awesome. Like, so paint the picture for you. Was I in Porto? Yeah, I was in Porto. And all the games are really from like 11.30 to 4 o'clock. And that's only six hours ahead. So the Bucks game, or 3 o'clock, excuse me. The Bucks game was at 3 on Saturday morning. And I thought, well, maybe somewhere I would have a TV and I could watch it. But I, I didn't know if, you know, any of the actual bars, not like the Unsuns bars, but like would just a normal bar be open at 3 o'clock, number one. Number two, my wife would probably be so worried that I'd be like ended up like the girl in Taken and get kidnapped that there's no way she would have she would have allowed for it. I did have an espresso after dinner and was kind of keyed up for a little bit there, and I, I was able to settle myself back down. But I there it got real close where I was like I'm gonna go watch this game, but I didn't. I went to bed. I woke up, the Bucks had won, and I was just like, suck my dick. Like, that, that was literally how I felt. Like, I was just like, I was like, fuck all you guys. Fuck all you guys for all the bullshit that went on, talking all this shit, JJ Redick, and all this other garbage that was going on during the All-Star break because people were bored and the Bucks had to be the drama team. It felt so satisfying to win that game. I, that was the one, that's really the only one where I wish I had a review that day. And I almost, I think if I think now about content, and again, this is classic because you're, you're here and you're kind of thinking about it, it really would have been morning reviews, like waking up and seeing the news of the games and just be like, okay, this is what happened. But yeah, 
Seriously, everybody could suck it. Like that was that was such a good win. I thought the Chicago win would be a next one. I think just the impressiveness of the Chicago is it was a basically your third game in four nights. You came out the, off the road to Charlotte. You have the weekend off, right? You didn't play Saturday or Sunday. You have the weekend off at home or to go do something else. And you easily could have mailed that game in. The Adrian Griffin Bucks would have mailed that game in. They didn't mail that game in. They put their, you know, the, the nose to the grindstone and they grinded out that victory. It held the Bulls to under 100 points. The Bulls really were never close in the game. You know, every time the Bulls made a little bit of a run, the Bucks made their own run. And then the 17-0 run in the fourth quarter just basically put them to sleep. And it was just a great win. I felt like, and then being able to frustrate the Bulls and getting under their skin. And you had the Vucevic ejection. You had the DeRozan uh, technical. I think all of that combined, it was, you know, a really gratifying win. Philadelphia would be number three on that. I, I think... Even though it's without Tyrese, or it was without, excuse me, Joel Embiid, I still think beating that team is is a good thing. Like I, I think there there is a lot of good to getting a win against a, still a solid Sixers team. Like they're thirty five and twenty five. Like they're not slumps at this point. Yes, they are losing some games, but they went into Philadelphia and and kicked their ass. Like they just absolutely dominated that game. Giannis finishes with a near triple double with 30, 11, and 12, or no, 30, 12, and 9. Pardon me. Uh, Damian Lillard was really good in that game with 24 points, was plus 37. And he also nearly had a triple double, nine, nine assists and seven rebounds. I mean, Bobby Portis was great in that one. And Bobby has really sort of started to figure it out. Um, and I, I do want to talk about the Bucks bench, so I'll save that for that point. But like that Philly win was good. Um, and then the two Charlotte wins. I mean, I would say game one better than game two, only because it was such a dominating performance. And But I think both of those games, even though you're like, Charlie, it's Charlotte. They're one of the worst teams in basketball. Look, Charlotte is a team that the Bucks might have lost to, uh, you know, in the Griffin era. And one of the bigger problems with Griffin during the time was the Bucks would play with their food. And they would make these, you know, games that should be blowouts much more competitive. And that meant Damon and Giannis are playing 35 to 38 minutes. And they were able to beat the team twice and not necessarily put a ton of wear and tear on their superstars. So I I, I liked all the wins, but that was a it's been a great start to the uh the sec, basically the post all-star break. You really can't say second half because we're we're beyond the second half. Uh, number four, Giannis Antetokounmpo is playing like an MVP, but nobody cares. Like, look, Giannis is the MVP. Giannis is absolutely the MVP. I know that people are just falling in love with Jokic, but I look at Jokic's stat lines. They're not better than Antetokounmpo. And I, I've given up on trying to understand why people don't like Giannis or why Giannis, it's just they take it for granted. And they don't realize that not every superstar gets basically 30 a night and gets 10 rebounds and gets five assists. Like Giannis deserves the MVP and he should be the MVP front runner. Yet it, it's because he got a coach fired, quote unquote, which is so fucking stupid because it's not the case. Griffin was just incompetent. Uh, and it, and just Jokic, the flat, basically filleting Jokic. I mean, Shai Gilles Alexander to me 
feels like he deserves it more just because of the where the Thunder are in terms of their timeline. Like he should kind of get like the Derrick Rose MVP, right? Where Derrick Rose and Durant for that matter at Oklahoma City, where it's like you have that year that sort of just brings your team to another level and you get rewarded for that. That's to me how I, how I would look at it. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. We'll just, we'll just keep playing. We'll keep getting buckets and see what happens. Number, I have a six one, you know, March is going to be a huge test for this team. Um, it's, it's really going to challenge them. Um, I don't, I don't know how I feel about all the teams. Like I'm not, I don't think it's like this. I know a lot of people are worried about the schedule that, that remain, that remains. I'm not sure I'm there just yet. Like if I look at it quickly, Laker, the Clippers are a very good team. You play them twice. That that's going to be hard. That's not going to be easy. Golden State and the Lakers, yes, big names. Golden State to me is as overrated as it comes. Like everybody's clinging on to what Golden State used to be. They want Golden State to be back from what they were three or four years ago, and they're just not that team. Okay, the Lakers are are good, but I think with Anthony Davis and Giannis, Giannis seems to always get up for Anthony Davis. I think Lillard will want to make a stamp at Staples. I think Malik Beasley has a revenge game in him. I know he had really not good things to say about the Lakers. They're going to want that game, okay? Sacramento on the road, yes, a tough place to play. Bucks will have a day off. We'll see. Home against Philly, Embiid again, won't be back. Should be fine. And then you have Phoenix on Sunday afternoon. And and it, I we'll see what who, who who's like starting for Phoenix. Like Booker's hurt. Uh, Bradley Beal always seems to have an injury. And then you get Boston in Boston on March 20th, right before the NCAA tournament starts. What a fucking week that will be. Where you'll have selection Sunday on, on St. Patrick's Day. You can go out and watch the Bucks and have your green beer on St. Patrick's Day. Then you fill out your brackets for two days. Then on Wednesday, you still follow your bracket on Wednesday, but on Wednesday, you get Bucks Celtics before the greatest four days of the of the year, really. Uh, so I, I'm excited for it. I mean, if let's see. How, so how many games are that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Honestly, if the Bucks go five and three in that, I think I think we feel okay about it, right? I think it would be it, it'd be kind of nice to win today and beat the Clippers. We'll talk about that game tomorrow. Uh, but like, I think it's just a good one to get under your belt uh, before heading out west, and then just sort of having that in your back pocket to be like, all right. We started the week off 1-0. Yeah, if you lose a game here, you lose a game there. I think 2-2, two 3-1 and two, three and one actually would probably be better this week. We'll see. I don't know. 5-3, and three, I think, is like, I'm okay. 6-2 and two is doable. I think 7-1 and one would be incredible. Uh, but you never know. So we'll have to see. But yeah, it's really, really good stuff from the Milwaukee Bucks uh, in the last couple of weeks. Let's move on to Marquette. All right. Five things about Marquette since my departure. The Tyler Kolick injury fucking sucks. Um, that is a massive bummer. Uh, obliques are not great. Uh, that is not an injury that you want. It's not an injury that feels good. Um, and we'll see if Tyler Kolick plays on Wednesday against UConn. I mean, it's really hard. It, it's ex- I, I have to think for Kolick, for the training staff, for Shock Smart, it's incredibly difficult because Tyler Cole doesn't miss games. This is the first collegiate game that he has missed of his career. Um, it's senior night. It's the last time he'll be playing in front of the five-star forum crowd. And he might not be able to do it. 
and they might have to tell him like, hey, look, I know you want to be out there. I know you want to be playing, but like, we just need you to take some time off. Now, maybe, now maybe an option here is them saying, all right, you're going to play senior night, but we're not going to play against Xavier. And we're going to give you, basically, you're just kind of on a pitch clock. I don't think that would make a ton of sense, personally. But I, I maybe that's how they go about it. Or maybe Kolich just plays the first five minutes of the game and does the senior processions and then he sits down. And it's that first five. And maybe you can overwhelm UConn a little bit and see what happens. And then you have Kolich on the bench for the rest of the game. I don't know. It's going to be a really tricky thing for Shaka Smart. And... That injury is just one that doesn't exactly go away. So we'll see uh, where, you know, kind of where it all ends up. It'll also be interesting to see what the committee does with Marquette. If Kolek, let's say Kolek is out for Connecticut and is out for Xavier, will, how much will they get punished if Kolek, if it, it were the absences are, or the, the losses are with Kolek's absence? Well, we'll certainly have to see on that one. But that was just a real kick in the dick. And when you're scrolling in the morning, you're like, oh man, they absolutely buried Providence. And then you keep kind of moving around and you're like, oh wait, Tal Kolek has a oblique injury. You're like, oh fuck. And you just know, man. And I think there is somewhat of a feeling that Marquette, I'm not going to say cursed, but it just feels like this always happens, right? Where it's like, Marquette's having a great season. They are just, everything's going in the right direction. And then somebody gets hurt. And it's just so unfortunate, man. And, but I will say, as like down as Marquette was on on, Friday, on Saturday, where you're out, Tyler Kolek, you're out also Yadara, and it, you're playing in Creighton. It's senior night for Ryan Kalkbrenner. It's one of the toughest environments in the country, and they hung with them for 35 minutes. They ran out of gas. The final score doesn't really reflect what we saw in that game. But they were right in that fight. They gave them a ton of hell in that game. And I could not have been more proud of that basketball team because they were playing, you know, completely shorthanded. You had Kolik out, which was like one thing you probably knew and you probably practiced it all week. And you don't have Yudara either against arguably the best shot blocker. It, I don't know if I, maybe college basketball. I, I think that's fair. Like, that's such a challenge. And... It was too bad you didn't have Cole Caruso because I think if you have one of those guys, I think it's a really close game and it's probably the last team with the ball wins. But not, you know, you have both and I think they win. I think they're just a better team. Uh, I am, someone's like, oh, you got to be impressed with Creighton. Uh, my guy, T3 Bracketology, I like a lot, but I, I just could not get there. I Maybe it's just a disdain for <laughs> Creighton because their fan base kind of sucks. Or it's just something about that it, it, it like, I think Kalkbrenner can be beat with an athletic big. I think athletic big can get there. I'm not convinced that Steven Ashworth is a dude from a point guard perspective. And I do think to win in the tournament, you need a point guard. And I don't think Steven Ashworth's that guy. Um, I think just they're, they run so hot and cold with their three pointers. They have so much three point variance, just like Alabama, right? Like Alabama could easily win the tournament if they face a bunch of teams that give up give up a bunch of threes, but they run into one team that is kind of that's their thing, shutting down the three point line. Alabama's fucked, and I think that's the same way with Creighton. So I don't know. I I just think they're a little gimmicky. 
Um, I'd be surprised if they were in the Elite Eight again. Um, I'll just put it that way, but you never know. You know, right? It could happen. So uh, it's a single elimination tournament. I think that's why we love it, right? Any any outcome you think that's going to happen likely isn't the outcome that does, in fact, happen. So it was still a great sort of effort from Marquette. Yes, it sucked to lose, but they played so well for those, thir those 35 minutes. They really did. They gave Creighton really all that they had and you know crate opened it up at the end of that game and but yeah i mean and cam jones again had and we'll talk let's talk about cam jones let's move move there like cam jones has been on an absolute heater uh the real killer cam i saw cam spencer was named that there's no way you can give that white boy that nickname first of all like i shouldn't say that there is no way that you give him Cam Jones' nickname. Gus Johnson, who I have a bone to pick for other reasons, I was terrible uh, broadcast for, with Kate and Clark today. It was just, he is such a star fucker. Um, and he just, it like, it was not a, a well, sort of unbiased broadcast. And while I was cheering for Kate and Clark, while I like Kate and Clark, like, you gotta just be better than that, dude. But anyways, Cam Jones. Uh, Cam Jones has been great. Uh, the Paul game sort of unlocked some things for him. You know, 34 points. He had eight three-pointers made. And you just wondered, okay, is this kind of his job? You know, like Joplin, kind of Providence was a get-right game for him. And then you saw Joplin kind of take off after that Providence game. Then again, Xavier, on his birthday, he drops in six more threes, 34 points in that game. Providence, he... Didn't necessarily have as good of a game, but he still had 17 points, was still pretty productive, and then had 23 in a losing effort against Creighton. So he's been on an absolute tear. I don't think you can say he's a Big East player of the year. I think you can make a case he's second team Big East, but Marquette, you know, basically took off like a rocket ship offensively with Cam Jones being red hot. Like if you add Cam Jones into the mix of Iguodaro and Kolek when they're healthy, like that's just that's the best case scenario of Marquette. And we saw it, you know, in blowing out two bubble teams in Providence and Xavier. Like, I understand that Marquette was favored by ten, but they I mean, those are thumpings. Those are not necessarily like, oh yeah, you just barely covered the spread and won by twelve. You won by twenty-four and you won by twenty-two. And I think and then obviously DePaul, you won by, you know, thirty-four. Um, but DePaul, I mean, is completely quit on this season and, and doesn't want to be here. Uh, Eric Bledsoe tweet. Uh, but like seriously, I, I think Cam Jones has, has had a lot of that contribution. I think he deserves a ton of credit. Uh, it's good to see him sort of be that walking bucket again and kind of refine his non-conference swagger. Uh, Stevie Mitchell, Big East Defensive Player of the Year campaign is on. Marquette's doing it. The fan base is doing it. Uh, it it's it, first of all, it's great, but second of all, it's deserved. I mean, Stevie just does a great job on the perimeter. He always has a nose for the ball. He's he's had a great season. Like I, I think Stevie Mitchell has had one of the better seasons for Marquette this year. He had a career-high 15 in the loss to Creighton. Uh, he also pulled down nine rebounds, nearly had a double-double in that game. But he just does all of the little things. I mean, you just have to love and appreciate that. I mean... Here's the thing, Stevie, you know, it was kind of struggling a little bit to get some shots at the point, but he scored double digits in three of the last four games. Uh, he has anywhere from 
really four to nine rebounds in those in those last games. He has stolen the ball, you know, five plus times a couple different occasions. Did against the Paul, four against Butler, five against Seton Hall, four and a loss to Butler. Like he just he does a lot of little things, man. Like it, it's just such a detail oriented player. And I, I hope he wins defensive Big East player of the year. I don't think they'll probably get it to Kalkbrenner again, who's like a Gobert, right? You just give it to him because he blocks shots. I think Kalkbrenner, from a defensive perspective, is very overrated. It's the system. They play a extreme drop, and Kalkbrenner thrives in that system. He's a system defender. Um, but Stevie Mitchell can guard really anybody. He can guard one to five, even though he's undersized. He still can. And... I just love what I've seen from Stevie all year. I think Stevie has become, I think, one of the fan favorites. I mean, I think Kolick will always be at the top, but I have to feel like Mitchell's sort of right there. Lastly, Marquette's a two, still a two seed, but we'll see when the brackets come out tomorrow or, or the following days. I, I wasn't encouraged at John Fanta, who I like put Marquette at nine in terms of their the his AP poll. I thought that was ridiculous. I mean, Marquette should not get... Four, four spots down for losing on the road to a really good team. And I guess I said they were, I didn't know if they were really good earlier, but like a really tough environment. Let's put it that way. Like, I, I just think that's ridiculous. Like Iowa State beat UCF, good for you. North Carolina beat NC State, good for you. Duke drubbed Virginia, good for you. But those aren't like great wins. Like if Duke beat North Carolina, yeah, North Carolina should probably go over Marquette. Or if Iowa State beat Houston, yes, Iowa State should probably jump Marquette. But I, I think that's just ridiculous to put Marquette down four spots. I'll understand that you're, they might move two and maybe be seven now. But I, I don't think you could be like, okay, yeah, you got to move them down because they lost to Creighton on the road. Like, fuck out of here. Like, that's just that's just stupid. So they are still a two seed. Um, I don't. They were at one point the eight two seed where they were just kind of holding on. And now it seems like before I, got, I could look and see if our guy T3 has it up right now because it, it would be, I think, it, again, it's kind of the same thing. It would be a bummer if you're pulling, you're kind of hurting Marquette for losing on the road. So he, okay, so he did the poll, oh, his AP poll. So he kind of thinks, and he did a thread that basically is like discuss, line discussions right now. Arizona versus Tennessee for the last one. K KU, Baylor, uh, Iowa State for that last two seed. So it seems like Marquette is still a comfortable two seed, right? Um, I think that that's going to be something to watch, right? You lose to Connecticut. If you lose to Xavier, yeah, then you're probably talking about a three. Um, but I, I think if as long as you can beat if you beat UConn, I think you're solid as a two. And then I think Xavier kind of becomes house money. That game will be so much more important to Xavier and their chances to maybe make it into the tournament as they're kind of sneaking around. They need to have a good week. Um, and so I'll be curious on that. Um, but I, I think that Marquette's still sort of safe at that two spot. Hopefully, hopefully that continues. Let's see, do I have anything else on our Golden Eagles during this week that I missed. And of course, I bookended. So maybe I'm the problem because I saw the UConn loss, I saw the Creighton loss. And that's, those are the last two Marquette games I've watched. I've seen a lot of losing. Uh, not really, uh, it's dramatic, but you get my point. 
So yes, uh, that does it for the Marquette side of things. And let's move to the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers had a lot that happened, actually, in the last two weeks. Yes, the NFL combine happened, but a lot more off-the-field stuff went on. Not bad. I feel like when you hear off-the-field, it's always like, oh, something bad happened. But no, it's like contract, money moving, a whole other thing. Uh, so number one is Aaron Jones and the Packers are still trying to come to some sort of agreement uh, in terms of their contract. Uh, Aaron jo- Drew Rosenhaus, Aaron Jones' agent, met with the Green Bay Packers to kind of figure it out. Um, Jones has taken pay cuts in the past, so I don't blame him if he doesn't want to take one again. But I think the Packers are saying we're not going to we're not going to pay you $11 million to be a running back. Nobody's going to pay you $11 million to be a running back. Um, and yeah, they may have to have Jones test the waters. I think that's obviously really scary. I'd be stunned if it happened. I think this is just the nature of the business. I think that Rosenhaus being the snake that he is probably leaked this to kind of try to get some more attention, maybe even some more pressure on, on the agreement Packers to get this done. I, I don't know. Um, but I, I think it'll be fine. I think they'll figure it out. I'm not worried. I know Aaron Jones is the heart and soul of this bat, this football team, and he needs to kind of be there. Um, and if he isn't, I think that the Packers just have to do a really good job of explaining why. I think I think too many times when guys get rid of, like the hater situation, right? We talked about this, at, God, at very long lengths a couple summers ago, but it's like you have to be so communicative with your guys and just be like, here's why it's happening. Do we want it to happen? No, but financially it doesn't make sense. And we can't keep everybody. It would impact your contract. It would impact the contracts, the free agents that we're trying to sign. Like we just have to do it this way. And Jones would come back and be like, yeah, you're right. Uh, This $7 million a year offer is the best offer I got. And no one wanted to overpay for me because I'm a 30 year old running back who's had a lot of injury issues. Like he just has, like I love Aaron Jones, but we have to kind of be honest with ourselves sometimes, okay? So we'll see what happens. That's definitely a huge story to monitor uh, as we get closer to the start of NFL free agency. No decision has been made on David Bakhtiari. Uh, the Packers have been pretty mum about it. Uh, it doesn't exactly, we don't know where they're going. We don't know if it means they're gonna release Bakhtiari. We don't know if they're gonna keep David Bakhtiari. Uh, it has not yet been sort of announced, nor has it even been flirted with, right? We don't we don't really have a lean per se. Um, I still think I'd keep Bakhtiari. I know that's crazy, uh, but I think the fact that you have three competent tackles is better than having two competent tackles. I know you might be like, well, Charlie, you only need two. It's like, yeah, but there's so many injuries or so much shit happens. You need to kind of have that David Bakhtiari insurance policy. Like, Rasheed Walker basically should rename himself Rasheed Walker Northwestern Mutual. Have like flair on the field because that's what he is. He's a life insurance policy for David Bakhtiari. And I understand people wanting to cut bait if they decide to do that. I don't think that's the worst idea. Then I think drafting a tackle becomes higher on my list. And that you just need to have one in case Rasheed Walker does have a sophomore slump. I don't think it's a first round pick. I think people are projecting the Packers to take a line in the first round or just lazy. I, if you watch the Packers, you know they don't ex- exactly need that, uh, even with the Bakhtiari injury. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, seems like Green Bay is going to be an active player in the free agency market. You know, we've heard this before. Heard this from Ted Thompson. Uh, it, sometimes it never comes to fruition. It gets fans' hopes up, only to let fans down. I think the important thing to remember is Super Bowls are never won on paper. They're never won on tweets. 
So even if a team, you know, gets Christian Wilkins and they get Saquon Barkley and they get Mike Evans, like we're not just gonna be like, oh my god, Super Bowl. Like, fuck that. Like, dude, like let these teams have their fun. Will lurk. Um, I think they're gonna make deals. I think they're gonna try to get a safety, honestly. Um, I think, you know, I, I was gonna talk about this with the combine, but we'll talk about it now. It's like the Roz performance for the for the safeties was not great. So I would be surprised if the Packers decide to outsource that and go and get themselves a safety, whether it's like a Geno Stone, whether it's a Xavier McKinney. I think there are going to be guys available, and I think Green Bay needs to take advantage of that. Uh, AJ Dillon's gone. Like, look, I don't think AJ Dillon's a great guy. Uh, Mayor of Door County, Door County Dillon, as I like to call him sometimes. Uh, I know he's a great dude, but it was time. He was really bad. He really, really fucking struggled uh, this season, and the writing was on the wall. And I don't necessarily know if he'll get a job. I think he will just from his size. But it's, yeah, it's tough. It's really tough, but that's just how it goes. It's the nature of the business. I do, I thought, like, if I was AJ Dillon's marketing manager, I'd be like, hey, maybe let's like, take it down like one notch just in case you're not back here and everybody has to scramble. Uh, but yeah, AJ, AJ Dillon seems out. Uh, lastly, with the combine, um, you know, I feel like there's a lot of Packer types. Now, maybe that's because everybody is basically screaming like, oh, he's a Packer, he's a Packer. It's everybody who has like a high Roz score. Like it's kind of jumped the shark at this point. Like, you know, Bukowski does it a lot. Uh, Ross Olgram, who I really like, does it a bit. So does Morley. Muscata, I think, does it too. Like, it's like, guys, like, can we be a little more original? Like, I, I like to say add it to the list. And I'll... I will DM Murph guys who I love. And I was kind of debating to do that for a full segment, so I won't steal that segment from me. But like, I have a list of dudes that I'm like, yeah, exactly. That's that's what I'm kind of looking at. And looking at it as some of the best player, the best players that could fit what the Packers need. Um, and but I, I think the only real issue is the safeties, right? Safeties were a mess. Um, and they weren't good. I think there are guys who had negative Roz scores that probably you're out on, right? You're out on Innis Rekshaw, who had a terrible Roz score of 4.5. Uh, you're probably out on Blake Horam, who was pretty pretty rough. Um, Keon Coleman had some issues. Really, it was his 40 time. Uh, but I, look, if Keon Coleman wants to fall to the Packers at 41, I'll take that. I will take that any day of the week. Uh, but yeah, it, I think overall though, it's been sort of showing the signs of the Green Bay Packers. I also be curious too. I mean, this is more draft the Packers. I don't know if you guys saw the live today, but Aldolphus Mims, uh, tackle out of Georgia, 6'7", 340 pounds. He ran a shuttle in 4.43. Uh, he, I think his 40 time was under five, I want to say. Like, Everyone was like, Ola, I can't pronounce his last name, from Penn State, and Joe Walt were going to be the two tackles taken. I think that you could see Mims move up and potentially be a guy that is a big mover. I think Adunze, I think a lot of people really liked what they saw from Adunze. I think Bears fans, I was talking to my Bears fan, Mike, uh, who we mentioned a lot on the show. We got to figure a better name, Chicago Mike. Maybe let's call him Chicago Mike. A Rockford Mike. He's technically from Rockford. I don't know. We want to be Rockford Mike or want to be Chicago Mike. Uh, maybe we'll ask him in the chat. But anyways, um, he was talking about how he wanted to draft Williams, and then he also he wanted to take a receiver. 
And I'm like, that's that's clear, clear bear delusion. That's like you've never built a roster before. Like, yes, take Caleb Williams, but then take Joe Walt. Then take Mims. Go take, uh, you know, then you have basically two quarter so tackles with Wright and then let's just say Alt-Right. <laughs> uh, but let's just say Alt and Wright. And uh, that they, but then you literally have your line of the future. Like, then you're kind of set up. And, and then you don't necessarily need the best of the best from a guard perspective. Go get a receiver later. It's a deep-ass receiver draft. Like, this is not a, a receiver draft where you absolutely have to have a receiver early on because none of them are going to be there. Like, that's bullshit. So I, uh, I, I just really am curious to see what the Bears do with that ninth pick, more so than the first pick. I think they're getting Caleb Williams. Uh, I, I just, I think that's a, a foregone conclusion. And everyone will talk about how he's the first, second coming to Christ and all this other shit. It's going to be really annoying. I, I hate that we're watching Caleb Williams on a rival team. I like Caleb Williams. I don't really want to dislike Caleb Williams, but I'm going to have to. I mean, I, I'm just going to. It's, you know, it's how it is. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that stood out from a combine perspective. Just watching Joe Milton throw a ball is amazing. I don't think anyone will talk themselves into Joe Milton. Like, you just have to watch a like, one Joe Milton Tennessee game and you know, like, wow, this dude stinks. Uh, but you never know. Uh, I've seen <laughs> I've seen crazier things before. Uh, JJ McCarthy, I think, is going to get some real buzz in terms of moving up. I, I Atlanta, don't sleep on Atlanta for JJ McCarthy. I know they're talking about Justin Fields, but could you see Atlanta kind of going up there at eight and taking JJ McCarthy? I think we're going to see four quarterbacks in the top 10. I think that. I'm sure that's out there wage-wise. Like I would, I would make that wager. I think you get plus money on that because I think you're getting over three and a half quarterbacks. Uh, I, I just think that there is a way better chance that you're going to see JJ McCarthy in the top ten because someone traded up for him, because someone you know sees an opportunity there. But yeah, I, I think you're going to get four quarterbacks in that first top ten. Uh, also, just as an aside, the Vikings apparently are interested in Justin Fields. Nothing would be fucking funnier than Justin Fields going to the Minnesota Vikings. All right, Milwaukee Brewers, then we'll ride out. Uh, number one, the Craig Council memes are off the charts. Um, I don't know if you guys, I'm sure you guys have seen it, but if you haven't for some reason, there's one where Craig Council is holding a fist out and basically everybody's using like tragic events from history, from pop culture, and saying that Craig Council supports them. Um, you have beat reporters getting mad that council's getting memed in every reply. Like, I think people just really hate the fucking guy. I think people don't understand how much that the hate is there. And I think it is going to be uh, an absolutely crazy crowd when council comes back. You can't do a tribute video. You can't do any of that. If you want to do a tribute video, do it after the game or do it before the game without fans. Like, no one's going to want to cheer for you. Especially when you see either that blue or that gray or the white. Like, yeah, no fucking thanks, Craig. Um, also, a friendly reminder about swing trading games, they don't matter. Like, if you're freaking out, I know the Brewers won yesterday, but if they if you if you're freaking out that they lose, like get a hobby, man. Like, even people like that are just tweeting about every little thing about spring trading, like settle down. Like, it's just spring trading, man. Like, I don't know. Personal preference there. But yeah, they don't matter. So don't don't get too uh too wound up about it. Uh, number three, Brock Wilkin is a guy uh, to buy stock in. I love Brock Wilkin. He's a big meathead. He has been hitting the shit out of the ball 
at if you even ask Pat Murphy, you can break camp. Pat Murphy's like, no. Like, he'll be third baseman at double-A this year, and I, I think that'll work out. Um, I, I think that he also could be a guy that pushes, you know, for starting time. And I know it's crazy because he was just in college, but I, I think he has the raw power to do it or to just keep him on the bench to just be Russell Brandon for the first year of his career. Who knows? Uh, when will Robert Gasser come out? Does he break the team? I, I wonder on that. Like he had one scoreless inning, was absolutely carving it up. Like he, he is a good, a good pitcher. And he's really a, I think that there's a lot there to like, but I, I just need, I, I just don't know how they're going to structure this. If they're going to say, all right, we're going to give him a month of AAA to keep his arm fresh and then we're going to bring him up. Or if they're going to wait till like Memorial Day, baseball, like, you know, who breaks the team, who doesn't break the team is interesting. I mean, remember last year, we didn't necessarily think that a bunch of their young guns would make the team last year, and they did. So maybe got Gassers this year, uh, Joey Weaver or Bryce Trang or somebody else, right? Like he, maybe he's that next guy. Lastly, what I'll say about the Brewers is just a friendly reminder that Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery are still available. They're still out there. Um, I think that that is definitely worth noting. Um, I, I, with the opt-out deals that are happening, I wouldn't be surprised the Brewers reach out to Blake Snell. Gary Sanchez was his personal catcher. I mean, it, it, I'd be hard-pressed not to. I hope they do. Um, but we'll certainly have to see. Sorry that Brewers segment was a little bit short. Uh, wasn't as long. But I don't know, man. Like, I just don't get too fired up about spring trading. I can't get, like... That wild about, you know, guys playing well or, you know, Peralta today gave up three runs. I'm like, who gives a fuck? Like, that's fine. Like, more times than not, like, these pitchers in spring training and in the games are working on stuff. They're trying to see what's going to be ready for the season, what's not going to be. It's very rarely that you see a guy just be awesome in spring training and then follow it up and be awesome in the, in the regular season. And vice versa, like a guy gets blown up, like you're like, oh man, here's his decline. And then it, it doesn't happen at all. So I think it's, you know, it's just, it's part of it. But that will do it for today. We are back in the mode. We're back tomorrow for Bucks Clippers. We'll talk probably a little more about the combine and then we'll talk about Europe and we'll, uh, we'll deep dive Europe. I will figure out a fun segment around that and we'll, uh, we'll do that. All right, guys. Take care of yourself. Have a good Monday. We will see you tomorrow. Bye.